Welcome to The Sale Ring, a podcast dedicated to real estate brokers, agents, and America's top auctioneers that keep the markets moving. Join your hosts, Sean and Trina, as they talk with most successful realtors, marketing and technology experts, investors, and influencers. This show is devoted to all industry professionals looking to up their game and stay up to date. Welcome to The Sale Ring. Trina? Yeah. How are yeah. you? I've had better days, but I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we definitely want to get into the monkey bar story right out of the gate because, uh, well, it's hilarious is one reason that we'd like to get into it. If um, you guys hear me, like, breathing hard at any point, it's because I can't breathe because I bruised my ribs on some monkey bars this weekend. I am not as young as I feel like I am inside, and... I, apparently, you can no longer do flips over monkey bars with my kid at the park. So, we'll leave it there. <laughs> the best way to find that out is to get on the monkey bars and try it. So. I mean, I was able to do the flips, but the next day was just not, yeah, comfortable. So. We've got uh, the guest that we have in the studio today. I'm, I'm excited about Mr. Yeah. Russell Hughes. And Russell, are you with us? I sure am. Good morning. All. Yeah. Good, Good morning. morning. How are you? I'm good, but Trina, I, I just want to sum up uh, your feeling this way. Uh, getting old sucks. Yes. We all feel it. <laughs> yes. It's just there's that one day when you're like, when did this happen? <laughs> and uh, it happened that day. It happened last Sunday is when it happened. There you go. It's, uh, it's not easy getting no. getting older, and uh, you're like probably half my age. So uh, I'd <laughs> like quite. to tell you from experience it's only going to get worse. Well, uh, <laughs> hopefully you get a little wisdom to balance it out. It, it, it does help. Okay. Maybe. I mean, we'll see what happens here. <laughs> We've all heard my podcast episodes in the past. We'll see what kind of wisdom comes out. True. That's where that term uh, work uh, smarter, not harder yes, came yeah. from, mm -hmm. is uh, from a bunch of old uh, <laughs> old guys and, and gals that have exactly. hurt themselves. <laughs> nice. Russell, um Let's talk a little bit about you because, uh, in, and thank you. First, before we forget to mention it, thanks for being on the podcast. Yes. <clears throat> thanks for having me. You bet. Okay. Well, we, we appreciate it. Your expertise is, uh, this is going to be a great episode for real estate uh, and auction professionals, especially when they delve into the commercial sector, because that's your background. And I'll read, if you're okay, just a little summary here. Uh, sure. You've got 20 plus years in the commercial real estate industry helping some of the largest companies on earth, including Netflix, Zappos, Shell, KB Homes, and others. Uh, that just names a few. Um, you are have kind of mastered some of the processes of solving complex problems, um, you know, and, and I assume most of what you do is from a consulting standpoint for these companies, uh, as much commercial consulting, uh, advisory services. Is that accurate? It's, it's a combination right now these days. It's a lot of advising. Um, my, my background was predominantly in, in pretty much straight-up brokerage, uh, either on the leasing front or on the purchase and sale. Um, but when you're working with Fortune 100 companies, uh, the complexity tends to get um, to a level where you are very much a trusted advisor, especially with the Zappos.com headquarters deal in Las Vegas. That was the time when the, the developer brought me in to, to structure the transaction. And um, there was uh, a lot of uh, very polite egos in the room. 
And so I was kind of brought in to, to manage those egos. So that was a, that was an yeah. interesting experience. Yeah. Nice. Well, that's an art all of itself. So yes. you, you take the commercial real estate knowledge, um, and all of that aspect out of the equation, uh, that's an art of just mediating uh, personalities mm-hmm. inside of a room to negotiate anything. Absolutely. I always tell my clients when they hire me, I'm like, you, you need to understand that I'm going to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And if you're not emotionally prepared for that, then we probably aren't a good fit. Um, but Is if that- you want to make sure that you are informed of, of everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly, um, then I'm your guy. Nice. Nice. Very cool. So where are you located? I am in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I, my career has kind of uh, spanned West Coast, East Coast. I started in Los Angeles in the um, late 90s, and then I moved to New York for about a year And we've been down in the Charlotte area for 10 years. Um, I've been lucky enough to do transactions all over the world, and I still do deals all over the country at this point. So, but it is, it has been a a really wild, even though I've been through the dot-com bubble, the financial crisis, and, and now this, this has been a, um, one for the record books as far as the disruption and the just pure insanity. And then, the interesting nature of how we're coming out of this. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's fun to see and it's, uh, it's going to provide some amazing opportunities for people. And if, I, I tell people all the time, if they can avoid knee jerk reactions, um, they will come out of this on top and, and just fine. Um, unfortunately, there's a lot of people that aren't avoiding those knee jerk reactions and, other people will take advantage of those opportunities. So it's, um, it's a, it's a crazy time and, uh, and it's, it's very interesting. So the name of your company, uh, Hughes Realty Advisors out of that Charlotte area, uh, any major projects that you're working on right now, anything notable that, uh, that warrants mentioning? You know, I'm just, uh, I'm working with a lot of clients buying buildings right now. Um, leasing is, uh, I've got one client who's doing an expansion, but leasing is, is not really, it's in limbo right now. Um, so, you know, got clients trying to buy buildings, got sent an offer for a, a $4 million transaction today and got other, another client that's trying to wrap up another 4 million. So mm-hmm. it's, um, the one to $5 million range is really, really where value can be created and, um, and obtained. Uh, once you get up above that, uh, you start running into institutional investors. And the reality is they still have trillions of dollars that they are trying to deploy. And so there is, there's still a very weird disconnect between buyers and sellers right now. And there's still people that are paying top dollar and record prices for assets that you scratch your head at. So, you know, as we were setting this show up, one of the things that, um, in, in your bio and, and you had talking points in there and you had mentioned, uh, will people ever return to the office? So there's, um, obviously there's the previous issues, uh, with the Mm -hmm. 
office and commercial <clears throat> sector and office space, leasing, things like that. Uh, it's starting to transition possibly back with COVID-19 and everything, but that just caught my attention. Uh, it's being talked about a lot. What I was hoping is uh, we could spend a little bit more time. Maybe we go back, we, we turn the clock back just a little bit and say, well, here's kind of what happened that disrupted the markets and what that transition has looked like. And, and then maybe we talk a little bit about the prognosis out here, what, what you forecast may happen uh, in the future, but let's sure. let's kind of back up to 2020 and and uh, talk about the commercial sector just a little bit. COVID comes on the scene, and then how that played out, at least in the markets that you were watching. Well, it's interesting because uh, March 2020 record prices for office buildings, institutional grade office buildings, were routine, were a weekly event. And it didn't matter which market they were happening in. New York was booming. San Francisco were, was booming. Chicago, Charlotte, um, everything was going nuts. The industrial market was very, very tight. Um, it was the asset class du jour. Everybody was really excited about it. The vacancy rate was down around 4%, which is very, very tight. Um, there were some local um, economic development councils here in the Charlotte area that were spending $20 million assembling properties so that they would have the ability to build industrial buildings, which is really unheard of uh, for uh, for exurb of a second tier market to be spending $20 million to assemble land uh, was just absolutely insane. Uh, it was a smart thing to do, but it was it was an indication of how tight the industrial market was. So that was kind of the backdrop for when the bottom dropped and everyone began scrambling to buy toilet paper in March of 2020. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the great toilet paper run of 2020. Oh, my God. It, I mean, yes. I joke if I had a time machine. I would go back and buy toilet paper, home gym equipment, nine millimeter ammunition, and Clorox wipes. Yeah, and, and I'd be retired right now. Yes. and travel trailers and UTVs. Yeah, we oh, yeah. we talked about this in the past, yeah. but I was in search for a kayak during that time, and I I don't even want to tell you how much more I paid for a kayak than I should have just so I could leave my house. It was great. <laughs> it was insane, yes. and it's still to a, to a large extent. I mean, the markets have not stabilized. You've got random ships being stuck in the Suez Canal, you know, the, <laughs> yeah. there's still a shipping container, a huge shipping container shortage because they're all being hoarded in, in China right now. Um, so people think, oh, you know, we're, we're coming out of it. There's still huge supply t- yeah. chain yes. shocks that could be coming in the future. So cut to June of 2020, because that's when it really started. Everybody kind of putting the brakes on. Um, everybody stay at home. Mm-hmm. We're not coming back to the office this year. Um, when the first company said we're not coming back to the office this year, that really set a the dominoes falling, and everyone began to understand that they weren't that this thing was quite a bit bigger than they had thought about or been led to believe or, or, or whatever, whatever their expectations, their expectations were not in line with the scale of what was happening. So 
the problem became the toilet paper shortage and at all. I mean, the toilet paper was just kind of a stand in for mm-hmm. all the other supply chain shocks that were going down the line. Um, that created a real big problem for on time, um, on demand uh, warehousing uh, was clearly not something that was going to work on a go forward basis. Yeah. So you've got an already tight industrial market that suddenly needed more space than they had in combination with everything going online. So that created a, it just a cascading effect of chaos in the industrial market, which is still going on to this day. You know, there's four cap rates on industrial product is, is still the norm. People are building in spite of construction costs being 100% more than they were a year ago. Yeah. They're still building. Um, so that was one facet. Going back to the office market, suddenly there was absolute ghost towns. Mm-hmm. I went to uptown Charlotte. I, I had buddies sending me pictures from New York. Nothing was happening. Uh, you combine that with the kind of civil unrest in major markets last year. Fifth Avenue was all boarded up in New York. Um, no one was going into the office. No one was doing anything. The banks were doing forbearance. They were working with the the owners. But evictions, moratoriums were in place. I mean, it was just absolute destruction mm-hmm. in the office market. Same thing with retail. Um, malls are just now coming out of the kind of doldrums. I don't think the non-super mall um, regional mall centers will ever recover. They will be turned into something else. Luckily, there's ample opportunities for them to be something else. And then the strip malls and the restaurant market were just destroyed. And and there's a statistic, which I think is probably accurate, that 95% of all restaurants in this country will never come back. Yeah. They will eventually succumb to COVID. Even and even if they're still operating today, yep, yeah. yep, um, they are um, they're operating at a loss, and mm-hmm. they're trying to carry the torch, which the the flame is is kind of dying out um, in front of their eyes. So, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I've I've seen you know a lot of these these mom and pop restaurants that um, they've either already shut down or you go in there and they're at maybe ten percent of capacity right mm-hmm. now and. They're trying to keep the dream alive because they've poured a lot of years and blood and sweat oh, yeah. and tears into it. But the reality is, is in the next year or two, you know, it's going to close in on them. Yeah, it definitely will. So that kind of leads into what's next, what's going forward. So there are still several large companies out there that have said to people, we're not coming back till 2022. Yeah. So that's had an interesting impact on the residential market because suddenly everybody who's trapped in these metro areas where they're spending a fortune on rent to live in a a 10-foot by 10-foot box that they're paying $4,000 a month for, they don't need to do it anymore. Yeah. So that's driving residential prices in the suburbs through the uh, stratosphere. Mm -hmm. Um, so what 
let me try to stay focused because there's so many moving parts. I mean, it's just insane trying to keep track of it all and the the different consequences of A versus B versus Z is is kind of, you know, it's my full-time job. But I think the office market, I've been saying for about six months, that people need to stop being reactionary. They need to stop trying to use an axe to solve a scalpel problem. Yes, they're spending money on real estate they're not using right now. I genuinely believe that people will go back to work in the next 12 to 18 months. What that will look like is 75% of the people will go back to the office. 25% of them will never go back to the office because they never should have been in an office to begin with. Yeah. But because that's smart, that's, that's a great way to say it too. They, yeah, they never should have been there. It's, it's ridiculous to spend money for those people to be in the office. It is, not, it is part of the business evolution process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the thing is that people don't realize is there was, we had gotten density to about 150 square foot per person pre-COVID, which is uh, a sardine can effectively for human beings. We're going to have to back that off due to health regulations, but we're also going to have to back that off due to just humanity. We had pushed it too far, and we need to back it off. So what that winds up is a wash. You wind up with 75% of the people occupying the entire space that used to be occupied by 100%. Everybody gets a little more room. Doors are coming back. This open floor plan thing is effectively was was dying pre-COVID. And I think this is going to kill it permanently. Um, so that will be office. So I'm trying to tell people, listen, if you have to, if you have to save money, let's have a conversation with your landlord. Let's find a scalpel solution to this. Because if you try to sublease or terminate or get rid of your real estate en masse right now, it's going to cost you a premium. Either if you can terminate, the landlord's going to want a fortune. If you sublease, it's going to go at a deep discount. There's no good solution in getting rid of all your real estate. That's not going to cost you a lot of money. And on top of that, you're going to want it back 12 to 18 months from now. Because you cannot have a culture in a company without a physical space. You cannot culture remotely. It is impossible. Yeah. So you're going to have these people, they're going to want the space back in 18 months. Suddenly, everyone is going to want their space back in 18 months. You're going to get rid of your space at a discount, and you're going to buy it back at a premium. That is not an intelligent business decision. So we learned a lot of lessons in 2009, 2010, 2011 that we can apply to this situation. Landlords, to their credit, are really, really wanting their tenant base to to survive and come back and not go anywhere. They're willing to do the work to do it. But if you're trapped in the mindset of 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 an of getting rid of it all and dumping it all and getting it off your books instead of having a thoughtful discussion about it, you're going to pay the price. So 
Man, everything That's, you're saying is is perfectly in tune with not only what a lot of us believe that are in the real estate sector, but what we're also starting to witness. I think it's still, you know, it's cause and effect. And there was a cause mm-hmm. back in 2020. We have felt some of the effects, and, and they came on pretty strong because of government regulations and shutdowns and things. But the full effect of it, the financial, let's call it the financial impact, the financial effect, it tends to lag. And now we're starting to kind of see that come into play uh, more and more. And that's not going to be over with next month. It's going to last for a while. What I'd like to do, Russell, if you're okay, let's slip away. Let's hear from our sponsors real quick. And I want to ask you some more questions when we come back about possibly now that we have a good overview of where we've been, what's some of the possible solutions? You know what, if I own an office space or a strip center or something, what's, you know, what's my uh, probable outcome here? And what, uh, what do you believe may be some good strategies to implement? We'll come back in just a few minutes and talk uh, with Russell more about that. Ever dream of owning a country estate, historic home, or lakefront property? Log on to unitedcountry.com. Would you like to retire to a home built on breathtaking acreage in the mountains? Unitedcountry.com. Ever dream of your own private hunting preserve? unitedcountry.com. Over 30,000 farm, recreational, and lifestyle properties are just a click away, helping people find their American dream for over 90 years. We will help you find yours. Log on now to unitedcountry.com and find your freedom. Thinking about selling a real estate investment, but worried about the taxes you'll have to pay? Property owners just like you have solved their tax issue with a Starker Services 1031 exchange. One call could save you a fortune in taxes. Call Starker Services today at 800-332-1031 or visit online at www.starker.com and keep the tax dollars working for you. Are you looking for heavy equipment but unsure where to start? Then you need to check out AuctionTime.com. Find great equipment has never been easier than bidding online at AuctionTime.com. What are you waiting for? Online auctions are closing every Wednesday. So register and start bidding today. AuctionTime.com, the way to buy heavy equipment. Crude oil, natural gas, coal. Buying and selling minerals is a breeze when you have the right energy professionals on your team. Mineralmarketing.com is a leading resource for America's mineral owners. Whether you're wanting to lease or sell your mineral rights, Mineral Marketing has you covered. Mineralmarketing.com, the oil and gas marketplace. And we're back in the studio with Russell Hughes talking about... uh, commercial um good stuff so far trina yeah yes absolutely so russell while you're you're on the line and we were talking during the commercials um here's the question i'm i'm an office building owner or you know more likely than not i own multiple properties Uh, i'm stuck with these buildings right now that are at you know zero capacity or occupancy, or maybe they've got 10 to 40% and they're just not going to carry their weight anymore. Strip centers, things that have gotten affected by this. What do I do? Uh, if I came to you for consulting, what's, what's my, what's my strategy here? How do I get out of this? Well, as luck would have it, um, counter to, to my desired long-term goals for the U S dollar, um, 
they're printing money. Yeah. And they're, they're giving away money like it's nothing. I mean, I got an email yesterday from the SBA and the limits of the loans that they want to give little old me are absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and luckily, I, I've kind of turned the corner and, and I was, was able to say thank you so much and, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Um, thank but you, but no are, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a ton of programs right now. So I would say that step one is to look at programs, see what you can get, see what you can extend. Step 1A is talk to your bank. Mm -hmm. Banks learned a valuable lesson during the financial crisis. They suck at real estate. (laughs) Yes, they do. They're really bad at it. They're, they, they made the mistake of thinking that they could somehow deal with the, the housing crisis. They sucked at it, the special services. They didn't have enough of them. They do not want to make that mistake again. They do not want to own real estate. So uh, 1A is to call the bank and be like, okay, here's what's going on. Be prepared with all the documentation, all the information, updated financials. Um, this is what I can do. This is what the the – current um rent and cash flow um the net operating income is this is what it can support as a loan right now um do you want the keys or do you want to modify my loan they're going to want to modify your loan mm-hmm. um that's probably step one and step one a strip centers um a lot of them Actually, you know, from an investment perspective, I've been looking for strip centers with a dark restaurant location. Restaurant equipment is a bloody fortune. Mm-hmm. And chances are if someone left a space, they left the equipment in place um, unless it was leased, in which case the, the company came in uh, and took that stuff out. But even that, the infrastructure is probably still in place. I used to be a chef. My wife's an amazing cook as well. I can cook better than 90% of the restaurants that I've ever eaten in. That said, I'm over it. I want someone else to cook for me. Everyone else is in the same boat. They're all swimming in stimulus cash. They want to go out to eat. So as strange as it might seem, if I were a strip mall owner, I would be actively pursuing restaurant opportunities. Get someone in there, get a good operator, give them a good deal, give them, you know, give them a runway to to get up and running um, some kind of rent that is structured so that it's low. It's it's called a percentage rent. The, the rent is low, but the upside is is based on a percentage of sales. So if they somehow miraculously come out of the gate killing it, you still get your rent. But it's a function of them killing it and then maybe year two and three the rent goes up the base rent goes up the percentage rent comes down and there's there's a there's a million different creative solutions that can be obtained you know that's kind of my specialty when well, people fin- ask why you the fi- the financial um you know the financial status or or the outcome of a restaurant out there it's a lot like a race you know and it depends mm-hmm. on where you started. So if you started prior to 2020 
and you're already running down the track and you maybe had a consumer base, you know, that's, that's there and you had some revenue coming in and you're, you're doing what, you know, may have looked like either really good or okay prior to COVID-19. And then somebody kicked your legs out from under you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. In the middle of the track. I mean, you just went down. I like what you're saying right now about that doesn't mean that the restaurant industry doesn't work. It means that you're now entering the race with um, you're not out of breath. You're not getting your legs kicked out from under you. You can get more favorable terms from leasing rates, from building rates, and probably start off better than you could have started off two years ago before all of this happened. Um, you have a higher probability of survival. I don't remember what the old statistic is Absolutely. you may from being in this in this industry, but um, there was an SBA statistic for a lot of years out there that said that restaurants were a really, really tough business after the three-year mark. It's, it's like 30% or 35% or something of the restaurants actually survive past a three-year mark or four-year mm-hmm. mark in the industry. It wasn't very high at all. A lot of them don't survive past year one. I mean, it is a brutal business. Yeah. It is a really hard business. It is There's an old axiom that your restaurant becomes your wife and your wife becomes your mistress. Um, because it is just a brutally time-consuming industry. The margins are much thinner than people think. Um, that said, I think your analogy of the, of the track is, is absolutely correct. It's like you, they called a timeout, you healed up. And you not only healed up, but that that nagging injury that you were running with the first time is also healed and you can go. Um, so if you're a good operator, you're, you're, you can get better lease rates, you can get better equipment financing, you can get better everything. Um, food costs are, are up considerably. Um, don't let the Federal Reserve fool you. Inflation is actually happening to real world people. Um, it's just not happening the way they define inflation. Um, so that would be my suggestion. The other option, you know, strip malls, I think strip malls are going to be just fine. I think the, the secondary market mall really needs to rethink its place in the world and turn itself into a last mile delivery hub for the Amazons of the world. Um, there's a lot of mega churches that would happily um, utilize that kind of space. Uh, I think <clears throat> there could be town centers redefine redefine those those footprints as town centers with government offices like the DMV, the license plate, maybe Social Security, a dentist, a doctor, a church. You could you could reuse that space pretty easily, but it, it requires you to get out of the way. Of, of thinking of it in terms of what it was. Yeah, think outside let the that box. Go. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, just let it let go of your preconceived notions of what it has to be. And, and you know, I, I heard someone talk, and I can't remember who it was, but it is, is absolutely correct. The people that will survive any shock of this magnitude are the ones that can figure it out fastest, pivot, the the most aggressively and go do whatever it is that they are doing now with the same intelligence and gusto and and support and team that they 
had in place before this. And the people that will die in this process are the ones that cannot stop thinking of themselves in terms of what they were pre-COVID. Yes, the and old adapt or die situation yeah. that we've we've talked yeah. about a few times on the show. And they just don't have the flexibility. Yeah, they, they won't yeah, they, they won't have the flexibility is the problem. Too, yeah. Too rigid. Well, so that's resonating with me. We're seeing it here. We're in Kansas City. Um, down along the river, the the Missouri River, they call it uh, River Market, Riverfront mm-hmm. in that area. There's some repurposing going on in some of those older buildings um, that, uh, and, and this is a little different, but I'm going to, I'll dovetail it back into current usage of buildings. At one time, that was when the, the boats came down the river, that was the warehouse district, industrial district. They've repurposed a lot of those into lofts, condos, and you look at the amount of building that's going on. I'm sure in Charlotte's seeing the same thing right now, but it's just explosive. Building materials costs are extremely high to start from scratch. The structures are already there, and they can retrofit those buildings into livable residences, into structures. So maybe that same principle applies to some of these bigger office buildings that, you know, at one time that's the purpose that they were built for, but... They could repurpose these even into housing instead of something in the commercial sector. What are your thoughts about that, Russell? That is actually happening in Charlotte. I'm sure it's happening in other markets as well. It's it's interesting. When the financial crisis hit in 2009, 2010, 2011, a lot of condo projects um, were being built, high-rise condo projects. And they, they weren't selling because no one – no one could afford it. No one could get a loan. No one was doing anything. And what they had to do was convert those condos into rental units. And so in the process of doing that, they learned how to do that. And so what you're describing is absolutely happening. It's happening in here in Charlotte, where they I think they have one building that the top 20 floors are going to be residential. And then it's going to be office below that. Uh, I think there's office condos. There's going to be, uh, I think it's a 40 or 50 story building that's going to be split up into segments. And so that is absolutely happening. You're spot on with construction costs. A two by four should cost $2.50. <laughs> is now costing $8, $9 per stick. Um, the uh, plywood sheeting is $50 a, a board. That should be $20. Yeah. Um, so the costs are astronomical. The residential is sucking up materials very quickly because everybody's moving out of major metropolitan areas. I mean, we've been riding out. We, we moved south of Charlotte in September of, of uh, 19. And in our house before that was up in, in a place called South Park. It's about halfway between here and downtown Charlotte. And we had a beautiful house, but it wasn't nearly as much land as we currently have and nearly the house. And I've got friends who live in New York in 400 square foot apartments. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking to myself, my God, you know, you've got some of the most draconian lockdown rules in the country and you're existing in 400 square feet. Yeah, you're living in my closet. Yeah, (laughs) lost your mind. Mm Mm-hmm. So a lot of these people are moving. And so that's 
that's sucking up a lot of the materials. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how we come out of this. But I think what you're describing is adaptive reuse. And that is going to be really, really popular. It's very popular here in Charlotte. The older parts of town are all being redone. Um, but yeah, to save the save the construction costs and to get people get new product on the market that you at a price where you couldn't do it before. I think that's going to be very interesting. And I'm also curious as to see when the bubble bursts on the residential side and when the forbearance and the eviction moratoriums, when they finally come to an end, whether people can afford these places. Yeah. Things will get interesting at that point. Yeah, they will. It's going to be... Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be because I've been really wrong. I've been I've been waiting for the stock market to implode for almost six months now, and I've been dead wrong on that. Um, which is why I learned how I, I've begun the process of learning how to trade um, cryptocurrencies because I don't really trust the stock market anymore to be an honest arbiter of valuations of companies. So. And the, the basic laws of supply and demand still seem to work in cryptocurrencies. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah, well, the subsidizing, you know, uh, because of uh, the times that we're in, the, the help or the subsidizing by the government for these programs, anytime that there is um, relief out there, obviously there's going to be a large constituency take advantage of that. When they pull those monies back is when it's, it's kind of the telltale sign of things can get, um, the, the, the waters can get a lot more uh, troubled at that point for people that have become, you know, let's face it, it's dependency. Mm-hmm. They, uh-huh. They've become dependent upon receiving that, which is no longer there. And, uh, yeah. and it, it also, anytime you handcuff a landlord's rights to be able to go in and to protect their property and to go through the eviction process, and I said, oh, by the way, this is going on off to the side, so don't touch those tenants. They're fine. Um, <clears throat> that's a very uncomfortable situation to be in as a, as a property owner. Mm-hmm. And there's so much, you know, the, the, you know, you combine that with cancel culture and how dare you evict someone who hasn't paid rent in a year. You're a horrible person. We're going to cancel <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you maybe made some concessions initially to get people into those properties because yeah. they were, you know, you, you were trying to be a good person. Yep. And uh, now you're saying they can't even meet those reduced obligations. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, um, the craziest example of that I heard was people that were running out of Manhattan in March of last year. And they began, they were in March, March is not high season in the Hamptons. So they were running out to the Hamptons and renting whatever they could get their hands on. They're renting it at March rates. And there was a moratorium on eviction that was put in in April. And a ton of those people never left. And the oh. owners are like, what are you, what are you talking about? Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of here. I've got this rent for the summer, yeah. summer rates. <laughs> this is how I pay the mortgage on this house. You don't understand mm-hmm. if, if, if you don't leave, I can't pay for this house. Yeah. I'll be foreclosed on. And they're like, we don't care. We're not going anywhere. And I was like, 
wow. I'm like, there's a special place in hell for you people. <laughs> but, um, but at the same time, people are like, oh my God, yeah, I, I feel bad for a bunch of rich homeowners in, in the Hamptons. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't understand. It's not all super rich people that can absorb this. Yeah, it's not There's like they own it outright either. They have this. to pay the bank yeah. at some point too. So how are they making those payments? But no one seems to think about that. Yeah. And it, it's, it, you know, you mentioned that when they pull back the money, I don't think they're ever going to pull back the money. I don't think that, the, I don't, I think that they will be forced into a situation where the whole system implodes before they pull back the money. I think they're using this as an opportunity to implement UBI permanently. And that will be announced later this year. Um, but I hope like hell I'm wrong, but I don't see it. Russell, that my friend is a gateway into a completely different show. Yeah. Uh, and I will tell you that one's a lot longer than 45 minutes, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we're so I, and I, everybody's got their own belief system, but I will tell you that um, dependency, you know, uh, amongst a constituents, uh, constituents, constituency, there's the word, uh, the population out there is a great way to steer them in the direction that you want them to go. Uh, you build loyalty and support and then I've got you. And, uh, I'm afraid yeah, free that people uh, can make up their own minds. Yes. sir. And that's why, uh, freedom isn't really something to strive for, for a lot of people. I mean, not necessarily the individuals, but for, for someone who's who's uh, wanting people to vote the way they want them to vote. Yeah. They want them as dependent as humanly possible. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So. Russell, this has been a highly enlightening conversation yeah. with you. And if um, I'm looking at your website right now, I've got it chalked up here on our monitor. We got a, we got a monitor up on the wall. Hughes Realty Advisors. Um, yes, and sir. you said that you're around the Charlotte area. If the listeners out there would like to visit with you a little bit, check out your company, how do they get a hold of you? If you go to uh, HughesRA.com, there's a contact page. I am happy to discuss. Um, and uh, that contact page will get right to me. I'm pretty sure the phone number's on there as well if you want to contact me directly like that. And, um, yeah, we've got a, a national network of people that we work with uh, all over the country and um, happy to uh, discuss creative solutions to uh, all the problems that seem to be uh, troubling us right now. Yeah. Very good. It shows your office is out of Matthews, North Carolina. That's right outside of yep. Charlotte, correct? Correct. Russell Hughes, Hughes Realty Advisors. Uh, the phone number is 704-618-1770. And Russell, it's been a true pleasure to have yeah. you on the Sail Ring Podcast show. Uh, Trina and I have learned a lot. I'm sure the listeners are going to learn a lot from mm -hmm. this. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's truly been a pleasure. I really appreciate it. You bet. Well, we look forward to visiting with you uh, again in the future. We're going to have other topics, especially around the commercial sector, and we yeah. look forward to having you back. That sounds great. All right. Thanks again. Trina, good luck with those ribs. Thank you. <laughs> so Russell was like this. 
huge amount of insight. Yes, this guy is like 100%. strong. Yeah. What a great guest. Yeah. And he dumbed it down enough for me to understand what he was talking about. That's what I appreciate about Russell. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't have to pull out the Fibonacci sequence you know, or some, you know, mystical learnings that you've had through your I feel like everybody years. after listening to that episode should comment and say they know what it is too. Sean is the, the odd one out here. I asked my son, I said, do you know anything? He, I, I said, have you ever heard of the Fibonacci he said, sequence? Yeah, he goes, yeah, he said, I think we learned about it in middle school. Yeah, that's what I said on the show. You learned about it in middle school science class. <laughs> Some that's of good. us just All retained right. that information a little bit. Well, it's, um, it's not easy. No. Being me. <laughs> no, it's not. And uh, I don't know everything. There are a few things like Fibonacci I'm that I was not recording right now. aware I'm, of. I'll bring this this subject up again. You you said it live. But just for the <laughs> listeners, I do cook some mean barbecue. Yeah. Yes, you do. All right. So Sean it's a trade off. Um, surprised our office with a barbecue day. Uh just was that Monday? It was. Tuesday. It was it's Monday. Tuesday. It was Monday. Uh it was Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah. Because there was enough left over. We reheated pulled pork. It was delicious. Yeah. Stop on by, y'all. Y'all. We were talking on break <laughs> about the word y'all, too. And Ewans. And all y'all. All y'all, Ewans. Well, we want to thank Russell uh, Hughes for joining us. And, um, yeah, he's, uh, man, that was just, that was great content. Sure was. So, folks, we appreciate you listening in. We'll look forward to seeing you next time inside the sale ring. Thank you for joining us for today's show. To access all resources and links mentioned in today's show, head over to www.thesalering.com now. We appreciate your feedback and encourage you to share the show with other industry pros like yourself. Join us next time as we meet you inside The Sale Ring.